Good morning. This has been Rogers. I'm visiting with Putnam County Mayor Randy Porter. Hadn't had him on in a few months, uh, and I'm doing a little something different. I also got Senator Paul Bailey with us, and I wanted to kind of give an update in Putnam County and the state, and that's why I got Senator Bailey with us as well. And we just wanted to talk about what's going on. We, we haven't got an update from Putnam County. And Randy and I talk all the time, and we, you know, every day probably we talk. But haven't had you on probably since um, April, maybe of and, 2017. <laughs> 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 uh, boy, no, that's all right. You give me a hard time. That's okay. But uh, I, I just wanted to try something different with having an update because we, we have specific material, but this is good for our listeners to know what's going on in Putnam County and in the state and just looking forward to talking to you all. So welcome, gentlemen. Thank you all for being here as always. Uh, glad to have you. What, get into Senator Bailey. I want to get into some, some things with the state. Y'all did something a little bit different this year and, and with COVID and everything. And uh, as y'all adjourned early with COVID, and then you come back and met in special session. And so I would, I'd like to just get an, an idea of what y'all did. How long did the special session last at the legislature? We were there for three days. So during a special session, it has to be for a specific call by the governor. And so the call was for three specific pieces of legislation that the administration would bring. Number one was uh, liability reform that will help hospital businesses, churches, schools. The second was telehealth, telemedicine bill, basically bringing bringing payment parity to uh, those providers that uh, offer telemedicine, telehealth. And then third was to enhance penalties on those that intentionally bring harm to first responders, uh, or you could say the rioters or looters uh, that are intentionally trying to bring harm to uh, our first responders. And as you said, it's a specific purpose to meet in special session, so you knew exactly what you were going to go into when he called the session, those three things. Absolutely. We, uh, being a weird General Assembly year, we started out January as normal. We adjourned mid-March because of COVID. Uh, the call was to come back in June, so we went back on June 1st. We were there approximately two and a half weeks. We could not come to a consensus on uh, these three particular bills in June. Uh, we were just feeling pressure to get back out again uh, out of session because of COVID numbers at that time. So we adjourned, uh, gave it, you know, about 45 days. The governor gave a special call for us to come back. Really and truly, uh, it was more to to pass this liability protection bill. Our schools, uh, this gives protection to our school systems, businesses, churches, uh, and, you know, just to basically give them a sense of security that they're not uh, going to be uh, have frivolous lawsuits brought against them uh, by individuals saying that they had contracted uh, COVID-19 at the, at their place. One of the things, and you and I talked last time you were here as well, that y'all were working on the budget and, and passed a budget before you got out of session in March, correct, I mean, if I remember that right? Yes, so we, we had to pass an emergency budget just in case that we were not going to be able to come back in during this year to – uh, keep state government running because our constitution says that we have to pa pass a budget annually and it has to be balanced. So we um, passed a budget. We've made severe cuts to it in 
March based on, you know, not knowing what the future was going to hold in regards to a shutdown. And so we passed the budget. Uh, We cut about $1.5 billion out of the budget, cut a lot of programs, a lot of needed programs at the time because we we just did not know how long that Tennessee's economy was going to be shut down. So uh, we came back in June. We revised that just a little bit. Uh, we're still budgeting on a conservative basis. But uh, the good news is Tennessee's doing quite well uh, overall. You know, we um, our July revenues uh, were $1.86 billion dollars which is right at $700 million more than what um, the state received July of 2019. So that's – Wow. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just unbelievable that we're, we've actually collected $700 million more than what um, we had the, the previous year. So uh, it, it's kind of a, a unique phenomenon. But at the same time, one of the reasons that, that Tennessee is doing so well on sales tax collection is because of Internet sales tax. Right. And if Tennessee hadn't been proactive a few years ago and and moved forward with the Internet sales tax, then then we would be seeing a a huge loss in revenue like we were budgeting for. But instead, because we had passed the Internet sales tax, it's helping state government as well as your local governments. Sure. Uh, your local governments are seeing the benefit of that because if you remember, Ben, when we passed that legislation, we made it zip code specific. Right. So if money, if someone orders something from California and it comes to uh, Cookville, Tennessee, if it's 38501 and it's going to a uh, particular street at 38501, then the city of Cookville, Putnam County, received the revenue from that uh, sales tax. Yeah, and that's something, of course, Randy, you and I will talk about, too, as well, is how much that's helped our county revenue. And um, I, So the $700 million increase from last July to this July, that's sales tax pretty much, right? Yes, it is. Okay. And that's, to me, it's like you said – I never would have expected that much money. And, Randy, and we'll talk about it now. I mean, it's while we're talking about it. And it was it last year y'all passed the, the zip code? Was that last year? I believe it was two years ago. Two years that, ago you yes. passed the zip code. Mm-hmm. And we actually – that's right. We started seeing the effects last year. Right. And so that helped the county side because before it was going to the cities. Right. And now the counties are getting that portion if it's delivered out. And like you said, in the, in the area of the county – Randy, how much has that helped us get through this COVID uh, time? Oh, it's it's been substantial. Uh, when you start taking all that sales tax and and it was just going to the to the cities automatically and start moving it out into the county where the folks actually were purchasing it from. They were county residents. Uh, it's increased our sales tax pretty pretty much. Uh, we our sales tax has done really good this year. Uh, we were doing really good, maybe on uh, headed for a record if it had not been for the tornado and COVID. Uh, but even after all that happened, we had that one month where we were down almost 10%, about 9.3. But then we, we saw the next month and the next month we, we started coming back and even having better months in June and, and July than what we – had in the previous June and July. So uh, our economy has, has come back very quickly. 
part of that is due to us opening the economy back up as quick as we did Absolutely. in Tennessee. Uh, we didn't stay shut down as long, and and there were um, I think we did it in a good way. At um, the I think the governor did uh, did the right thing, and and we were able to get back going. We're not back at full blast, but uh, when you start looking at construction and all the kind of things that we're looking at, well, I mean, we're setting records right now still. So uh, I applaud the Paul and the Senate for and the legislature for passing that, and and where it, it makes it fair. Uh, the sales tax needs to go to where the person lives at in, in that jurisdiction. And so this it made a big difference. And yeah. I, I want to ask, Paul, if you don't care, um, a few years ago when y'all passed the sales tax law and it, it started bringing in more, more money to the state, has that prevented the talk from an income tax coming back up? I mean, it's got to have helped. Well, if you remember, Ben, in 2014, the people of Tennessee went and voted that we and, and put it in our constitution, in Tennessee's constitution, that we can never have a state income tax in the state of Tennessee. Right. In other words, the only way that we could ever have a state income tax is if the people went back and there was a referendum on the ballot to vote to allow for a state income tax. So, you know, Tennessee is basically they receive the revenue from sales tax, which is the largest portion. Uh, franchise and excise tax, which is paid by uh, businesses. And then third is our fuel tax that sure. we receive on gasoline, diesel, and petroleum-type products. So with those um, uh, with those three big portions of, of our revenue base for the state of Tennessee, uh, it was, you know, it's when, when we've cut over a billion dollars in taxes over the last eight to ten years, it's kind of a scary thought when you get into – a retraction of the economy like we have just gone through in the last few uh, months because of COVID. But at the same time, we had forethought in passing the internet sales tax to make sure that when you have your people at home that are supposed to be sheltering in place, they still had access to be able to buy products, whether it was groceries, whether it was uh, products for the home, whether it was uh, products for their business, they could still have those delivered to their place of business. And we as Tennesseans and local governments uh, benefited because of that. And I'm glad you brought up those three revenue for the for the state with the sales tax, the franchise and excise tax, and the and the gasoline tax. And I want to talk about that here in a little bit in the next segment when we come back. And you're you had much role you had in that because I I'm flashing back here about how much you championed that cause as well. You're listening to trending. This is Ben Rogers. I'm uh, my guests today are Putnam County Mayor Randy Porter and State Senator Paul Bailey. We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back. This has been Rogers. I continue to visit with Senator Paul Bailey and Putnam County Mayor Randy Porter. We're talking about we've been talking about special session, uh, Paul, that you were in with the legislature, and y'all of course lasted three days. And we've been talking about revenue projections, and when we mentioned top three revenue in state for our for the revenue that we receive is sales tax, franchise, and excise tax, and the the gasoline tax. And the gasoline tax structure changed a few years ago with the Improve Act, and you were on the committee that that went through. To, before it got to the floor, right. and you were chair, actually, of that committee. Chair of Transportation and Safety. Chair of Transportation and Safety. And I remember the, the, they had a, we actually had a meeting in Cookville at Trinity Assembly Church, I believe it was, uh, that you came. Yes. And we were talking, and these highway superintendents came. And, and that Improve Act has really improved our infrastructure. 
And you can go around the state and look, because historically, we've always paid cash for our projects in the state, especially roads. Never tried to, we, in the last few years, haven't issued debt. We're debt-free still. Right. So we paid cash, and the reason we've been able to pay cash for those infrastructure improvements is because of the gasoline motor fuel tax. Well, that was changed and modified two or three years ago. And you, I mean, everybody, I think most people know, you own a trucking company, so mm. you, your, your company is going across the state or country with logistics and delivering things and you were on a committee that sent that through so it it helped the state but didn't necessarily help your company <laughs> well well number one it was good for tennessee sure. it's been 30 years since we had had an adjustment to our um tax base on on petroleum products especially gas and diesel so we needed uh, to bring additional revenue in because the population in tennessee is growing faster than what we are able to uh, bring in revenue for now uh, you mentioned tennessee is a debt-free state when it comes to our roads and infrastructure we do not issue debt we pay as you go and i think that that's good for tennessee but we realized that we were short about 250 to 350 million dollars per year on just trying to stay caught up with the projects that we needed to move forward. And something that people don't always realize is that Tennessee is a main corridor east-west on Interstate 40 for east-west truck traffic, big truck traffic. We, we we're a, a east-west corridor and when we have those trucks, 60% of the nation's east-west traffic pass through Tennessee on Interstate 40. They are a captive revenue stream. Most of those companies are not from Tennessee. So when we can capture revenue from those companies using our highways, then it benefits all Tennesseans. And that's a great point. Like I said, you can just look around. I mean, not every road's perfect in the county. Uh, and some, I mean, interstate to me, every, inter, every time I go down the interstate, we're making improvements. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, it's getting rid of potholes. You're, you're doing everything. So that's part of that. Um, one thing that I'd like to bring up, sure. pe- people sometimes think that when they pay property tax, their property tax is going to pay for roads. That's not true. Uh, people's, uh, county roads, city streets, uh, county bridges, city bridges are, are paid for by revenue that's collected on gas and diesel from all across the state. The the state has a formula that they use that every city, every county receives an amount equal to the population and the, the mass size of that city or that county so that they can meet the needs of their citizens. So uh, it's just a misnomer when people say, well, I pay my property tax, my, I shouldn't have a hole in the street. That has nothing to do, your street has nothing to do with your property tax. It's all uh, revenue that comes into the state paid uh, on a per gallon price sure. at the pump. Yeah. And, and of course, now, and Randy, you may want to correct me or Paul, you may, it's about $100,000 per mile to pave uh, in a county road now, I believe. It's, it's about for for the county on on us because we're doing a lot cheaper now. Uh, our That's road true. supervisor Randy Jones is doing his own paving, but I think uh, asphalt was somewhere around sixty five or seventy dollars a ton. I believe. I yes. mean, uh, a mile. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. It, it's come down a little bit since the oil prices come down. So infrastructure is a big part, and, and thank both of y'all for trying to to make it easier on our counties to to have better infrastructure. Um, the county side, Randy. We of course we talked about our sales tax being up, and that's 
our sales tax really helps us in debt service. Mm-hmm. We talk about that, and we we talk about in our budgets, uh, and it's it continues to, to grow despite what's going on. You talk about our building, and our building. Uh, well, you know, for instance, last month, what what did our building numbers look like out in the county? The permits. Oh, they were really good. We've been setting records. Uh, June and and July were were record months. Uh, we came close in in August. It was it was still a good month. Um, residential construction is is unbelievable, and and part of that is uh, unfortunately due to the tornado we had in March. There were some six seven hundred homes that were affected. Um, 150, 200 of those either destroyed or, or majorly affected that had to have some major renovations or rebuilds. Uh, we're starting to see several of those be rebuilt. Uh, I think we were up to somewhere around 35 permits we saw so far come through for those. But we were in a building boom before the tornado, and so it, it's like it didn't stop. Uh, most of the builders, contractors, were scheduled out for a couple of years already, now, I talked to a contractor the other day, and he said, you know, I, I hate to even tell people how far I'm scheduled out. I'm just having to say no. So we have a we have a shortage right now of contractors in the county that can help make sure we get all this, these uh, new homes built for the ones that were destroyed. But we continue to move in, boom in construction. I don't know how long that lasts. We have a lot of people moving here. Uh, see it every day. Uh, I think they're starting to flee the big cities, and we're seeing people move here from California, New York, and different places. Uh, but that was kind of happening before all the COVID and everything started. Uh, but uh, residential is just, it continues to boom and uh, keep thinking month after month after month, is it going to slow down? The only thing right now that, that may slow that down some is lumber prices. Right. We saw a major increase in lumber. Uh, some of the contractors are talking 150, 200% increase over the last few months because there's a shortage of the lumber because of the lumber mills uh, not operating at full capacity and loggers and those kind of things operating at 70% capacity. So it's, it's made a shortage. And then you got all the hurricanes and tornadoes and everything that's that's caused a uh, increase uh, for need for those. So it it's going to be interesting going forward is, if that trend continues. Yeah, and, of course, we're not the only county growing with building. Paul, you live in White County. You've uh, been there a long time. And so the houses are going up left and right in White County, right? Lots of um – Lots of homes being built in White County. I know that I've spoken to several of the contractors, and and basically they're telling me, uh, you know, Mayor Porter just referenced about uh, lumber prices. Some uh, contractors are going to their uh, people that they're building their home for and basically saying, look, I can only give you this price for 30 days right? because lumber is, is changing so rapidly. So uh, I had one contractor tell me, of course, it was a pretty pretty big home, that within a 30-day period, the lumber package alone went up $21,000 wow. for that home. So that's, uh, that's, that's a huge uh, increase for someone that's trying to build. But the good news is people are building. I can also say that uh, businesses are looking at the Upper Cumberland. They continue to look at the Upper Cumberland. They're continuing to look at the state of Tennessee uh, it's nearly weekly, uh, even during this pandemic, that we have job announcements coming out from uh, uh, ECD for the state and for our region. Uh, speaking as someone that's just kind of on the 
just the outside a little bit uh, in regards to ECD, I know that they're working continuously with Mayor Porter and, and uh, Mayor Shelton as well as uh, other mayors here in the Upper Cumberland with prospective companies looking mm-hmm. for buildings to be able to occupy and move into. And so um, we do not have a shortage of um, of jobs in the Upper Cumberland. In fact, we need people to get back to work and or reach out to these companies and go to work. Uh, and listen, I, I think their pay scales have increased. Yes. Uh, even during this pandemic time, they're, they're reaching out to people because they need to fill orders. Uh, ben, you referenced earlier that I'm in the trucking business. I mean, levels and volumes that we're seeing in the transportation business, not just here in Tennessee and in our core area of Cookville, Crossville, Sparta, Livingston, where Lebanon, where we service, but just all across the nation, there is a huge demand for for uh, trucking, and um, and so our economy, our nation's economy, is really waking back up and trying to uh, fill the need that that people and consumers are uh, putting putting a demand on. Did you see a slowdown with your trucks back in the summer, spring? We saw so March was pretty much a normal March. Uh, April is basically when the full shutdown took place. We saw a twenty percent reduction with the customers that we haul for, but it was just like a light switch that flipped on on May first. Things went back to normal. Wow. Okay. I mean, uh, I mean, our, you know, our customers that we were uh, we haul for most of them were opening back up, and and so. Things went uh, went to normal, and then since then we've been running at over capacity. It's just been, and it's from the building sector. We uh, we try to be very diversified. We haul food grade products as as well as building uh, materials, and and it's just on both sides. It's just been really uh, robust. Wow, that's good information. We're finishing our second segment uh, on here on trending. When I come back, we'll continue talking about the economy and some of the revenue going on. And I want to mention a little bit about building when we we return as well. You're listening to Trending. This is Ben Rogers. I'll be back with County Mayor Randy Porter and State Senator Paul Bailey. Welcome back. We were just talking about the building, uh, the boom that's still going in the Upper Cumberland and Putnam County. And, of course, I have Mayor Randy Porter from Putnam County with me and Senator Paul Bailey. And, and of course, Paul, you live in White County. It's going there, too. But we mentioned, both of y'all mentioned, the, the prices of lumber uh, are, are more than they were. And it, it started during this pandemic, and uh, there's some suppliers that are not supplying as much. Do y'all think that's going to slow down the growth of building with the price of lumber? Or, or What's your opinion on that? Well, we are. I'm starting to hear some contractors are saying, well, we're going ahead and just doing the footers right now and waiting a few days to see what's going to happen. I think it's all going to depend on that supply and demand that, if the lumber yards and and so forth start getting back to full production and the prices come down, uh, maybe not. Uh, it's all going to depend, I think, on probably on the price of the home too. If you're talking about ten thousand dollars difference on a hundred thousand dollar home, well, it's probably not going to stop that. But if you're talking about, as Paul was talking, thirty or forty thousand dollars on a right. on a larger home, uh, it might. The the thing that that I see is people that are moving here are selling their homes in other places for a lot more money than than they can buy a home here for. They can buy it for a lot less here. So I, I don't think it's affecting those folks, but it may be affecting at some point if it doesn't ease off, it may start affecting our local people. I don't know, Paul, what do you think? Well, I, I think what, what we may see is, is contractors and, and those that are choosing to build homes 
go ahead, put footers in the ground, lay out the footprint for the home, and then they may wait uh, for the supply of lumber to come back. You, you have to realize that, you know, we had the hurricane that came in a few weeks ago. Uh, all of that disrupts the uh, those that are, that are uh, out harvesting the logs, bringing them to the mills, and whenever those mills get uh, depleted on stock that they're trying to produce to get sent off to the planing mills to get treated, and so you have treated lumber. I mean, it's it's a uh, from the forest to the finished product. It, it's a process, and right. I mean, it ta- it's just not an overnight process. And whenever you shut that valve off and 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 that supply stops it takes it a while to get back up so i think that the the building is still there i mean you know we've got a lot of homes that we've got to have rebuilt just because of the tornado that happened in march so there's a lot of building that's going to be taking place in putnam county so if there's any slowdown at all it'll just be purely waiting on the supply of product coming back Mm -hmm. into our market and I, and I hope it continues because that helps with our county budget, Randy, because right. it builds our tax base and that gives us property tax. And speaking, one more thing about budgets. You had mentioned earlier, Paul, about a, the state has to pass a balanced budget. That's in the, the code or in the, the Constitution. State, well, it's Constitution. It's state Constitution. Constitution. Yeah, it's in the Constitution. So what that means is revenue has to equal at least equal expenditures. Expenditures cannot be more than revenue. A balanced budget is defined a little bit differently on the county side, Randy, whereas the comptroller's office says a county has to pass a balanced budget. But technically, a balanced budget on the county side means you can use fund balance to make up for expenditures being more than revenue. Right. And I don't know why there's a difference. I don't, we don't have to even pontificate on why there's a difference. But it just every year I'll hear somebody from the comptroller's office say, well, this county's got to pass a balanced budget. The county will turn in a budget that's $500,000 more than revenue, and they have enough money and fund balance to make it up, and then they approve it. So that's technically a balanced budget. I just want to throw that tidbit of information out because it is different between state uh, and county. Paul, you mentioned about, Tennessee and Upper Cumberland still being a desired desired destination for new industry, new retail, any businesses looking to locate, they're looking at this area. And there's several reasons why, and you touched on that, and a lot of that's our infrastructure, and we mentioned why it's so good, and, and the Improve Act helped that. Um, Randy, we have a few things that's happened in Putnam County, mm-hmm. and they're good things. They are. And we've been having them nonstop. Now, we've had to delay – because of COVID-19, we've had to delay some, maybe some announcements or maybe you and in, in the chamber and some other people finalizing things. But can you update us on some good things as far as re- businesses and retail in Putnam County? Absolutely. Even back in April and May when, when we were in that lockdown and started opening back up, we were working on projects that had been going on for several months that you wonder, will those projects move forward? And, and, and they did. Uh, at one uh, at one industrial development board meeting, we had three projects that was approved in one meeting. I doubt there was another county or city in the state of Tennessee and maybe anywhere else in the United States that had three projects, uh, new projects that they voted on in, back in, in May and June. We had uh, TTI Floric. Um, local business here, uh, moved here a few years ago. Uh, they're doing a $20 million expansion to their existing building here, just right off of 111 down here from the radio station. Uh, 500 new jobs over the next five years. Uh, they're bringing a power tool line uh, that they have uh, in to manufacture it here along with the 
uh, vacuum cleaners and all the other tools that they make there. And then just recently, just uh, actually Tuesday of this week, we announced a Fina Pharma which is located here in Cookville, born here in Cookville, I guess, uh, many years ago by some of our local businessmen. Uh, they have bought the uh, old Russell Stover Candy Factory on Chocolate Drive, and it's a 500,000-square-foot building. Wow. Some of the most – the largest, I think, refrigerated area – uh, in anywhere in the southeast, and uh, that fit what they were looking. They were looking at building a new building, maybe in an industrial park or somewhere else, but uh, that came along, and Lent Chocolate bought out Russell Stover's, and Lent looked to sell the building, and so they did, and being a farmer bought it. Somewhere between 160 and 200 new jobs uh, over the next couple of years. They're going to invest $21 million into that building, renovating it. They've been working on it for a while now. We just couldn't announce that until all the papers were signed, right. Paul, and uh, <laughs> I's dotted and the T's crossed at the state. And uh, we were we were very fortunate to announce it uh, last week. And then Food City uh, is, is building out on at 10th in Old Kentucky. Uh, they were been looking for a while now uh, to do that. And... Uh, it's going to be a shopping center there. They're starting out in phases. First phase is just going to be the food city, and then they're going to look at uh, the rest of it building out in phase two. There's a lot of work got to be done at 10th Street in Old Kentucky out there with widening 10th Street. Uh, I think the city's looking at maybe widening 10th all the way to, to Fisk, uh, but at least it'll be widened from 111 up to Old Kentucky in the first phase. and. Uh, new signalization and so forth put in. So three projects come into our uh, county there in, in just a matter of a couple months. Uh, Food City is going to be somewhere over 100 new jobs coming in uh, to it. So when you start adding up uh, about 800 new jobs wow. in three projects that we got in Putnam County, that's just unbelievable. And we are so blessed to have that kind of uh, growth happening in our county and and businesses that are looking to come to Putnam County and and to Tennessee. Right. Uh, it's it's a team effort. If you, if you've never saw the workings on the inside, it's it's kind of like making sausage. You know, they talk about you don't want to see how that happens, but uh, it's a team effort and it starts at the state with economic development. They have a great group down there. Cody Huddleston is our local person right. that that works with us. But it, it works all the way through the local cities and county and chamber and Tennessee Tech and Cooper Regional and all those along with the state to make these happen. And uh, we are still seeing, as Paul mentioned, a lot of a lot of requests for information coming in from companies that are looking to, uh, to move here. I think we had one just announced maybe yesterday before that they were moving from California to Nashville. Uh, was that the... Daily Caller, was that the? The Daily Wire. Daily Wire, uh, which I thought was interesting that uh, they're moving out of California, coming to Nashville. So We've had several California companies relocate to Tennessee. There was another one just recently uh, announced that they're relocating to Dayton, Tennessee. So, you know, there's a lot of companies that are leaving states like California, Illinois, New York, uh, New Jersey, uh, Washington, Oregon, and and they're coming to Tennessee or they're coming to the southeast, especially where they feel like that they have a, a good workforce. They have the ability to um, operate and not be smothered by regulations. And uh, I think that we're poised to see continued growth 
not only in our area, but in Tennessee for years to come. I agree. Randy, the Russell Stover building, when did it, when did they leave? Do you remember what year? It's probably back in the nineties. I don't remember exactly what year. Well, they used it for cold storage for quite some time because we, uh, again, trucking, we we hauled uh, product out of the Kansas City area back to the cold storage uh, facility. Uh, I'd say that that probably a year ago, maybe two years ago, you lose track of time. That basically waned off, but... um, uh, we they they continued to just use it as a cold storage facility. So around two years though, there's really not been anything in that building except uh, well they had the candy store there right, that was but retail, the, but the, the five hundred thousand yeah, square feet was they used it for storage and and Lent Chocolate bought out Russell Stover's just a few years ago, and I think that's when that reorganization started taking place and and they started moving things around in the country as to where they were making the chocolate at. So they actually closed down the plant of making chocolate somewhere back in the 90s, but I don't remember the exact year. Well, that's huge news because it's went from just a storage building to now being in production. Oh, so yeah. We're looking at 160 to 200 jobs. Yeah, yeah. So that's and plus an, an additional 20-plus million dollar investment in our community. Right. We have one more segment left. Uh, when we come back on Trending, I'll have Randy Porter and Paul Bailey continue to visit with me. We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back. We finished last segment talking about how Tennessee and Upper Cumberland still desire a place to locate, uh, not only uh, for personal reasons and individual families, but businesses and industry coming in. And we're still open for business. Uh, when you say guys, I mean, we've got plenty of places, industrial park here in Putnam County, uh, Paul and in, in Upper Cumberland, there's plenty of places to locate. Uh, I know counties are looking and, and recruiting, so that's not going to slow down. I don't think, uh, I think we're going to have, I think we're going to be an interesting place for a while because we have availability of land and we have opportunity. Absolutely. I think that, again, goes back to leadership that we've had at our local level, that they had the foresight to be able to develop industrial parks, go ahead, put infrastructure into those industrial parks. So we have uh, basically shovel-ready ground that if someone wants to build a manufacturing facility – we have the capability of meeting their needs as far as infrastructure and shovel-ready ground to go. There's other industrial parks uh, throughout the 15th Senate District that are uh, they have the infrastructure. The ground may not be shovel-ready, but I can assure you those communities would work very hard to uh, help accommodate any company that's looking to come to their area. So we're open for business, folks. Um, moving on to some more money talk. The CARES Act, which is something the federal government and Congress has passed, and they've passed several versions of a CARES Act. The latest one that we that we are working on, or actually uh, impacts counties and state, is the one that's sending federal money down to the state. The state's taking a portion of that money, and they're sending it to the counties, and each county and cities, and each county and cities getting a getting an allocation of money to use towards what they call the coronavirus relief fund. And we've talked about it some on the show. Uh, I want to talk to both of y'all about it. And, and I know, Randy, you and I have talked, and I'll get to that in a minute, about what the money can be spent on. But I'm curious, Senator, how much, how many calls you've had from your mayors and your finance directors and your commissioners on the money that's available to counties, but they're not really sure what they can spend it on. I think that's been the, uh, the biggest question that's coming from the county mayors, city mayors, and finance directors is, is simply, look, uh, the state's telling us that we have X number of dollars that's going to be coming to us uh, to be spent on uh, COVID. Uh, but the restrictions on that money is, is so tight that we're not uh, sure that we're going to be able to 
uh, find um, or meet the needs or the requirements to be able to spend that money. So, you know, currently, you know, the federal government changes the guidelines. It's like on a daily basis from the payroll protection plan that they rolled out during this whole uh, start of this pandemic to to now the money that's come into the states that is filtering down to the local governments. So, you know, my comment back to the mayors has been, look, you know, I'm going to carry your concerns back to the um, administration, being uh, the uh, governor's administration, their working group, let them know. Uh, and I've done that. And, and the administration has come back and said, you're not the only legislator saying that. We hear you. But guess what? We're asking Washington to give us some better guidelines to allow these local governments to use that money more effectively. Yeah, and, and, of course, the states contracted with Horn CPA. And, of course, my job is to help counties with anything. And a lot of questions I've gotten are the same you, you've received is, what can we spend the money on? And, Randy, you called me one day and said, hey, what are we going to do with all this money we're getting? And my answer was what? I have no idea. And I had ideas, but to be honest with you, of course, I'm not regulatory, Horn CPA is making that decision. I know you've been in discussions with them. What have they told you, Mayor? Well, the restrictions, as Paul said, are so tight. Uh, basically, uh, personal protection equipment for our first responders, hand sanitizer, mask, gloves, uh, all those kind of things that, that you would use in, in the fight of COVID testing and so forth. But it's, it's like Paul said, they kind of change on a day-to-day basis. And we're having a difficult time with what we can spend it for and what we can't they don't come out with just a list and says you can spend it on this 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 and this there'd be a category that this says ppe well what does ppe mean uh, what what is included in that and what we found is we, we kind of got a maybe ahead of the game to start with uh, once the money started coming out we started going back to march and submitting invoices for all the stuff that we had bought concerning COVID and, and kind of got ahead of it and got in too quick, I guess. And and so we've got held up because they started changing the software and they started changing the requirements. And and it, it's been difficult so far. Uh, they've been the group, the, the auditing firm that we're working with. It, it's not their fault, I don't think. It's the federal government changing you know as it as it comes down uh, but it's been it's been frustrating for the last two or three weeks to try to get things in and and you spend a lot of time submitting all that invoices and everything copies of checks and so forth and then uh, someone decides well that really didn't fit under this category it needs to go under another one so we have to turn it around and and redo everything but uh, it's going to be difficult um, unless they do some kind of prior or approval process that we could submit things that we would like to buy and them say, yes, that's okay before you buy it. Putnam County is, is, is blessed. We have good, healthy fund balances, but we're watching every dime just like all the smaller counties are because you don't know what our revenues are going to do this year. So we can't go out and spend dollars $40,000 on a new vehicle, a new truck, or a new trailer to pull for testing or things like that if we don't know if it's going to be approved. So I'm hearing from the other county mayors, as Paul is, is especially the smaller counties, we need a prior approval process to be able to get those prior approved so we know if it's going to be approved before we ever purchase it. Well, I'm sorry, well, I'm sorry Ben, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's the same on the state level. Mm-hmm. You know, the federal government sent $2.3 billion to, to the state and basically in, in a block grant, if you will, and they said, okay, you're going to use this for COVID. 
and here are some of your guidelines to go by. And, I mean, that money was sent early whenever the CARES Act was originally passed. And so uh, the state was sitting there looking at this pot of money that was sent down from Washington and the restrictions along with it. And so the state has even had issues in trying to uh, find ways to uh, to use that money um, in the guidelines. And so you know, ultimately I've said this, the federal government reacted very quickly whenever this pandemic took place to a point that I think that they appropriated way too much money uh, and now they're sending it down to the states. The states are now trying to get it to the local governments. And I think Randy and all the other county mayors and city mayors bring up a point. There's so much money there, they don't know exactly how that they can spend it. And so, you know, I've had some county mayors say, look, I'm just going to send it back to the state. We'll wait until kind of a deadline. And, and if the, if the uh, restrictions, guidelines aren't changed, then we're just going to send it back which is not a bad thing, you know, if it goes back and, and, and goes to pay pay that debt back right. to, to the taxpayers of the United States. But I can just say we're in a much better position in trying to figure out how we would spend this money on the proper things than we are with these mayors calling me and saying, Senator Bailey, man, we need some money. Mm-hmm. We're drowning. We're spending we're spending our, our, our fund balance and, and man, we're needing uh, we're we're needing some help. Because I've been on the other end of that phone call a right. few years ago when counties are calling me and saying, Senator Bailey, we've spent money on this and and, and you know, we've got to get reimbursement or we're not going to be able to meet the comptroller's right. requirements. Right. I agree with Paul 100%. I'd rather have it where we're having to try to figure out how to spend it. I'm hoping they're going to open it up a little more. And I'm going to applaud the Paul and what the state did this year in the budget and giving the counties and cities that block of money. Uh, Putnam County got, what, $1.1 million or so. And you allowed us to make the decisions on how we were going to right. spend it, what right. we needed. If that CARES Act money could be turned around and done like that, it would be much better for us because there's lots of things that we need to, to spend it on. Right. Uh, but it's hard. You can only buy so much hand sanitizer and and personal protection uh, equipment. Uh, we're stocking up on that, but uh, there's only so much of that you can buy. And, that, and as a state legislator, I came from being a county commissioner, so I understand – I've tried not to forget where I came from right. as far as uh, being a county commissioner, and I understand the local need. That's one of the things that I went back to the uh, governor's administration whenever we were talking about sending the money down to the local governments, and we had the guidelines and restrictions on it so tight that they couldn't make the best decision on how they needed to spend that money. And my comment to the governor was, look, we're sending this money down to the local governments. They know the need that they have for that money. Let's loosen those restrictions, allow them to be able to use and fill the gaps where they need to be filled since we're sending that money to them right now and we don't know what the future holds. That was like March. And so they did. And so I think you really saw uh, that money that the state – and that's actually Tennessee taxpayer money that we were returning back to the locals. We were sending that money back to the local governments. That is your tax money Mm -hmm. that's coming back to your community to be spent by your local government. And so I think by us loosening those restrictions, it has definitely helped the taxpayers here in the Upper Cumberland. Absolutely. 
And we're grateful to the state and to the federal government for having us out. Yeah, we are. And we'll figure it out. We'll find a way to to use that money for the betterment of our health and protection of our health and for our citizens. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Always a pleasure to be in in the same room with one of you, but both of you being here has been a blessing. If you ever need anything, let me know. Uh, Everyone, remember. Just be kind to one another. As I say every week, uh, you see somebody out and they need some help, help them out. Speak to somebody, say how they're doing. That goes a long way. Smile at them. That's all it takes to get through all this mess. I want to thank my producer, Billy Mack. He's been wonderful to me. I appreciate everything he's done for me. Uh, I want everybody to know to have a good weekend, and we'll see you next week.